0: And welcome to The Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 111 of The Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about a classic attraction found at Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and Tokyo Disneyland. And that is Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. As the name suggests, Walt Disney was one of the key contributors to this iconic attraction. It's one of those shows I recommend everybody visit at least once uh, if you are planning a trip to Disneyland or Walt Disney World or to Tokyo Disneyland. But it's also one of those attractions that I fondly remember growing up as a kid. My parents would always take me to the Enchanted Tiki Room, it's one that has I'm sure Everybody knows that famous song in the Tiki 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 Room, which we'll talk about in this episode, of course, and it's simply an enjoyable uh, you know, experience that features what are the original, the first audio animatronics from the Walt Disney Company, so truly a big part of Disney history and still a fun show to this very day. In this episode, we're going to talk about the history and the details of the Enchanted Tiki Room. I'll share some audio clips including binaural audio of this attraction experience in case you haven't visited the attraction before or if you were simply missing it to sort of relive the magic of the Enchanted Tiki Room. And I'm also going to share a couple of exclusive interview clips with a couple of the original Imagineers who worked on the Enchanted Tiki Room. And that's thanks to Scott Wolf, who's a friend of the show and who was a previous guest on Imagineer Podcast. He was kind enough to share a couple of clips that are never before heard, uh, or at least that he has never released, I should say, um, and offered them to this Imagineer Podcast community. So huge thanks to Scott, and I can't wait for you to hear what those clips are. At the end of the episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer Podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. Before we jump in, I just want to give a quick thanks to our sponsor, WDW Magazine. I am not only a subscriber, but also a contributor to this magazine, the premier magazine focused on Walt Disney World. And you can learn more and subscribe by clicking on the link in the podcast description of this episode or by heading to ImagineerPodcast.com and clicking on the link there to take you to WDW Magazine. Audio animatronics at the Disney parks today have become incredibly sophisticated. Visit Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, for instance, and you'll feel like you've truly encountered Hondo Onaka on Millennium Falcon: Smuggler's Run, or that you're about to get captured by Kylo Ren on Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. And those animatronics still pale in comparison to the Shaman of Songs on Navi River Journey, whose realistic finger and eye movements take robotic animation to a whole new level, or to the new Spider-Man animatronic that some of you might have seen at the grand opening of Avengers Campus at Disney California Adventure Park. Truly takes animatronics to the next level. Everywhere you look at Disney, rides, shows, and even shops and restaurants, you'll find audio animatronics. These moving figures, which Walt loved because they could repeat the same part in a show 24-7 without ever needing a break, have captivated Disney fans for generations. The animatronics we know and love have become so advanced that we often take their humble origins for granted. The truth is that these animatronics at Disney date back to Walt's time, and while those original versions might no longer be as impressive by today's standards, those early animatronics laid the groundwork for the incredibly sophisticated figures we see today, which continue to evolve and become even more advanced as time goes by. While Walt created many attractions with audio animatronic figures, the first opened in 1963, Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room, Atop their perches, the singing birds of the Enchanted Tiki Room amazed audiences in the 1960s. Their realistic movements were enough for people to wonder, are these birds somehow real? The answer was obvious and redundant given their ability to sing words, but the birds still impressed, as did the sheer number of animatronics, over 150 singing birds, flowers, and tiki gods. 60 years later, The Enchanted Tiki Room still stands at Disneyland, and it's been a part of Walt Disney World since opening day, October 1st, 1971, although it was called Tropical Serenade for the first quarter century of the attraction's life, from 1971 until its temporary closure in 1997, transitioning to the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management, then Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. The Enchanted Tiki Room is a classic not just because it was the first Disney attraction to feature animatronics, but also because of the people who helped to bring this attraction to life and the stories that went into its design. Some of the folks responsible for conceiving and designing this attraction include Walt Disney, John Hench, Harriet Burns, Rolly Crump, Wally Bogue, Fulton Burley, Wethel Rogers, and Richard and Robert Sherman. Since the people responsible for this attraction are so special to the Walt Disney Company, I wanted to provide you with more than just my own words about the show. Instead, much of this episode will include stories from Harriet's daughter and granddaughter, Pam Burns Clare and Haley Clare, friend of the show and Disney archaeologist Scott Wolfe, and a few extra special guests I'll leave as a surprise for now. For those who are unfamiliar with the Enchanted Tiki Room, it's essentially a theater-in-the-round variety show with a Polynesian theme performed by animatronic birds, flowers, and tiki gods. The show begins with an introduction to the experience led by Jose, Michael, Pierre, and Fritz, the four main parrots perched in the center of the room above the central fountain. The introduction is followed by the main theme song, the Tiki 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 Room, which we'll discuss in a little bit. At the conclusion of the main theme, a gorgeous mobile full of birds descends from the top of the room, which leads to the gang performing Let's All Sing Like the Birdies Sing. The next segment includes a musical luau performed by singing flowers and tiki gods, which includes a mellow ballad and a Hawaiian war chant. The war chant is ended by a dramatic thunderstorm with realistic rain and wind effects that are visible through windows on the outer edges of the theater that look out to a tropical paradise. As Michael says in the show, Every cloud has a silver lining, and the thunderstorm leads the birds to sing the finale of the show. The entire experience lasts just about 10 minutes and is one of the most charming attractions at the park. To understand the Enchanted Tiki Room, we must first understand its origins. According to Roly Crump's audio- autobiography, It's Kind of a Cute Story, The Enchanted Tiki Room was the evolution of a tea room that Walt wanted on Main Street where people would have some tea and enjoy a show while they ate and drank. The concept was then moved to Adventureland where it became a Tiki Room, a place where guests would enjoy dinner and see, quote, this magical little show. Originally, the idea for the Enchanted Tiki Room was going to be a restaurant with live birds. Walt wanted the birds to sit above the guests, but John Hench pushed back against the idea, saying that you couldn't have real birds in the restaurant because they'd poop on the guests. Thankfully, Walt had a solution. According to Harriet Burns, Walt had come across a mechanical bird at a store in Paris, which he purchased as a gift for Lillian. Knowing that this mechanical creation had been around for quite some time, Walt saw the potential for his Imagineers to take the concept to the next level. It became the inspiration for the company's first patented audio animatronic, and it also presented a cleaner solution, literally, to Walt's dinner show idea. Of course, when it comes to Disney history, I try as often as possible to turn to those who worked on these attractions. In cases where I cannot speak to those individuals directly, I turn to the folks who knew those individuals. One person who has had the opportunity to speak to many of the original creators of the Enchanted Tiki Room is Scott Wolf, who we had on the show back in episodes 103 and 104. If you haven't yet listened to these episodes, and if you love Disney history, definitely listen back when you get the chance because Scott has some incredible stories to share. I asked Scott if he could share the, orig- the origins of the Enchanted Tiki Room according to the people who worked on the attraction. Scott not only provided a great overview of the show's origins, but he included a rare treat for us to enjoy. Here's what he had to say.
1: I think it's pretty well known that the Tiki Room was going to be a restaurant originally, and it was going to be sponsored by stofers. So where everybody's sitting now in the benches, what it was going to be was you're in you know eating down below with the tables and sitting in uh restaurant chairs while the show goes on above and around you. Now going back before that, how Walt got the idea for the Tiki Room, there may be different theories or stories, but I will tell you that Harriet Burns told me uh her version of how Walt came up with the idea. Now I love Harriet as you know, and she worked on the Tiki Room birds so much, uh they had the mechanics and they had the insides of the birds, but she did the outsides and she had to come up with these ideas to make it look very natural. There's a story, I think Pam might've told you or will tell you about how they wanted the birds to breathe. And I won't go into more about that because I think you're gonna get that. But some of the other things that Harriet told me, they actually took the feathers, so much care went into it. They had to soften and curve the feathers. They just didn't take feathers and just put them on. In fact, she said very much so. They didn't just staple them on, boom, boom, boom. They actually had to naturally lay the feathers on the birds. They wanted everything to look very authentic. Uh, another thing they had to think about that she had told me was even where to split the bird because they had to be able to open it and repair inside sometimes. But you know they didn't want it to show. So it's just so many different things that they had to think about for the tiki room. And before I tell you about the very beginnings, Harriet's version of the very beginnings of the Tiki Room, a couple things. For one thing, Harriet uh, told me a great story about the feathers and she would get them from a place called Hollywood Fancy Feathers. And she would actually send the guys down there to get the feathers for her because they loved going there. And the reason is that I guess in those days, strippers, as part of their costumes, they used feathers so there were inevitably some strippers down there getting feathers for their costumes. So the guys loved when Harriet would send them down there to go buy feathers for her. That was just one of the great stories from Harriet. She had so many just really neat, fun, you know, unusual stories like that. Now, when I started at Disney, I remember going to the Disney archives. I remember my first day at Disney and seeing this little cage with a little burden in it. And they turned it on and it kind of moved back and forth and it tweeted. I had been told that was Walt's inspiration for the Tiki Room. And just to kind of give you a little background about that bird before you hear what I'm gonna play for you, uh, because I brought you a little treat. Instead of me telling you Harriet's version of the origin of the Tiki Room, I thought I'd have Harriet tell you this. And it's a conversation I had with her and I recorded with her permission. And I want you to know, Matt, that no one has ever heard this before. I've never put it on my website. I've never given it out. So you and your listeners, as of now, are the first people ever to hear this recording. So I hope that you like it. Now, before the World's Fair was the Tiki Room? Yes. And that was really the first audio animatronics, wasn't exactly.
2: it? See, Walt came in with that birdcage that he had bought for Lillian in Paris. Okay, and I have a picture of that. Well, they they have a... So it's in the archives. We, but it's not the real one. Oh, it's not? No. Well, okay. they think it is, but it's a crummy one compared oh. to what Walt had it with. Well, Lillian probably still has it. I mean, Diane or somebody. Wow. Uh, it was a beautiful little cage, and the little bird was so neat, and it was an irregular cam inside. So when you wound it up, it would just tweet-tweet, and then it would stop, and then it would go tweet-tweet-tweet and oh. wiggle another way. And then you would think. And then we go in a long you know, aria. It was just charming. Walt said, "You know, I got this in Paris in nineteen whatever for Lily." And he said, it's, "It's great." He said, "And they've been doing this for hundreds of years in Europe." He said, "If they've done it for that long over there," he said, "we can do much better than that now." And he said, "And we can make whole bunches of them." And he said, "We can have a whole restaurant full of these birds, and uh, it'll, it'll be charming." And he said, we could even have a birthday bird and an anniversary bird. Well, see, he's just blue sky talking. Yeah, sure. We were just, yeah, we could do that. Sure, we can do that. But then later, see, we even had Stouffer's son for the restaurant. And then, and he came in, he was very nice. And Walt said, you know, this isn't going to work. He said, because people will have a fork full of food in in their hand. And then something will be interesting and they won't watch. I mean, he said, they'll watch and they won't eat. Oh, yeah. And we'll cancel, well, we should really cancel the contract. See, that's how unmaterialistic he was. Yeah. But he was always unmaterialistic. He was doing it for the fun and the excitement and, uh, you know, his creative mind. And if if it didn't work, well, he'd forget it, you know. Hmm. And and he never cared about making money. He had to have enough money to to fool around. But other than that, he wasn't in it for making, you know, a thousand million bucks.
0: I sincerely hope you enjoyed this never-before-heard audio from Scott. It definitely brought a tear to my eye when I first played it. I always love hearing about these classic attractions from the folks who designed them, and getting to hear Harriet talk about the origins of the Enchanted Tiki Room is a treasure to behold. Thank you so much, Scott. Speaking of Harriet Burns, let's talk about Harriet's contributions to this attraction. Working in the model shop, Walt tasked Harriet with figuring out how to make his animatronic birds look as lifelike as possible. It's amazing that the birds are still pretty much exactly as they were back when Harriet designed them. Back in 2019, I had the opportunity to interview Harriet's granddaughter Haley about her grandmother's work on the Enchanted Tiki Room. Here was her response.
3: Her assignment was to create the Tiki Birds, Uh, and she tells a fun story about that, that, you know, Walt came in and he brought in like a wind-up toy, like a wind-up bird from Europe or something, and I was like, I want to figure out how to make something like this, but, you know, they've been doing this technology for hundreds of years, and I think we could do something even better now with the technology we have, so uh, I want them to be life-size, and I, you know, they're all going to have different feathers, and some of them will wag their tails, and some of them will shake their heads and tweet. Uh, but I want them all to breathe, <laughs> and she goes, "Oh, they have to breathe, okay." Um, <laughs> and so it took her a long time to figure out how to uh, create the you know this breastplate on these birds so that it could move with the you know mechanics inside the bird, and you know put the feathers on it so that the feathers could expand and contract. And um, she tried probably hundreds of different types of stretchy spandex material. In- and none of it worked quite right because every time it contracted, uh, it would sort of wrinkle or mess up something funny. Um, and she finally was – she was talking to Walt. And she she saw him gesturing with his arms. And he always he always wore his favorite uh, blue – I think it was like a blue wool sweater or something. And she said you see it in a lot of the photos in an interview um, of him. But it was sort of a loose-fitting sweater. And she, she was looking at him – gesturing with his arms and how the sweater, the sweater bent with his elbow and then expanded. And she was like, I'm going to try that. That looks like it works, works great. (laughs) So she, she picked out a bunch of sweater material, uh, inspired by Walt's blue sweater. And that's what ended up being, um, the material that they used for the tiki birds so that they could breathe.
0: Part of the inspiration for the lifelike movement of the birds not only came from the mechanical bird Walt had purchased, but from a real bird Walt brought to the studio. Haley's mom, Pam Burns-Claire, who is Harriet's daughter, sent in this clip about a funny story involving this pet bird who is fittingly named Joker.
2: Walt gave Harriet a live pet bird. he placed near her desk to study the way birds moved, both for the tiki birds and the robin on Mary Poppins's finger she created for the movie. Joker became quite a beloved character in the shop with all the crew, and given their propensity for off-color jokes and remarks, Joker repeated a few choice words like parrots do. So when they knew Walt was coming to check out their projects, they would cover Joker's cage with a sheet. But one time, Walt showed up unannounced, and Joker uttered a four-letter word. Walt laughed and was quite impressed, to their relief. Joker lived for many years until, sadly, he passed away one night, perhaps choking on a grape the janitor fed him the night before. So my mom told me.
0: To make the Enchanted Tiki Room work, it needed more than just animatronics. It also needed a story. When it came to comedy, Walt loved working with Wally Bogue. Wally was famous for his 27 years with the Golden Horseshoe Review at Disneyland, amounting to nearly 40,000 productions according to D23, which Scott and I talked about in our two-part episode earlier this year. Wally also starred in a few Disney films, and he even hosted an episode of The Muppet Show. Wally was one of the main scriptwriters for The Enchanted Tiki Room, and he acted as the voice of Jose, one of the four main parrots in the show. Working alongside Wally was Fulton Burley, another regular at the Golden Horseshoe Review for 25 years. Fulton helped Wally write the Enchanted Tiki Room, and he became the voice of Michael, one of Jose's lead companions. Voicing the other two leaders of the Tiki Room were Ernie Newton, who became the voice of Pierre, and Thurl Ravenscroft, who is the voice of Fritz. Thurl was perhaps the most famous of the four, as he also was the voice of Tony the Tiger, and the main vocalist in the iconic Christmas song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Thurl also appeared in various roles for Disney films, including The Jungle Book and Mary Poppins, and he voiced characters for attractions in The Haunted Mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Splash Mountain. I, of course, asked Scott if he could share some insights about the original script of The Enchanted Tiki Room, and here's what he had to say.
1: I know there were a few people that were involved in the writing of The Tiki Room, but it was largely Wally Bogue. Wally Bogue was kind of Walt's go-to guy for comedy. Walt hired him originally to work on The Golden Horse Review, my favorite show. It started there right from the beginning. It was there, and it continued until 1986. Wally stayed with the show until 1982, so he was there for a very long time. And Wally did all kinds of emceeing for Walt and all kinds of things, and Walt loved his humor. He even appeared in some of the different movies, you'll see little bits of Wally in some of the films, like uh, The Absent-Minded Professor and things. And he actually wrote a lot of the Tiki Room script. What I hadn't heard before was that Fulton Burley also helped to write it. Wally personally told me that Fulton helped write the script. Fulton's uh, dressing room was wiped right by Wally because both Wally and Fulton were in the Golden Horseshoe Review. And what's really great about it, about the Tiki Room. Not only did Wally and Fulton both contribute greatly to the script, both very funny people. So a lot of those jokes and everything are just right out of Wally and Fulton. But what's great is if you go to the original Tiki Room, you'll hear Wally and Fulton. Wally is the voice of Jose, and Fulton is the voice of Michael.
0: As the show was coming together at the studio, Walt felt that there was something missing. Walt would often take guests at the studio to see the demonstration of the Tiki Room, and while it was impressive and fun, people weren't always quite sure why the show was happening. As with many other attractions, films, and shows, Walt knew that music was a powerful way to explain a plot or move a story forward. Thankfully, Walt also knew exactly who to turn to, a dynamic duo who wrote so many Disney classics, the Sherman Brothers. At the D23 Expo in 2013, Richard Sherman performed as part of a concert at the event. There, he shared the humorous story about how the classic song, The Tiki 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 Room, came to life.
4: This year, it happens to be the 50th anniversary of the, the very first song you wrote. For <laughs> <right. laughs> Walt had a hobby. We thought it was a hobby. He had a thing he was very proud of, and he used to bring VIPs down to one of the sound stages. And in the corner of this sound stage was like a jungle room. And they would come in and they would see this thing that was going on. It was called audio animatronics. You know about them now, but not 50 years ago. And people would see organs singing
5: and birds, you know, standing on perches singing and Tiki torches going Hug, hugga, hugga,
4: hugga, and all of a sudden it and they would see this show that they were creating for the enchanted Tiki Room, and they would say, it, it's Great but well, what the heck is it, you know? That's what and so uh, we were call down one day to this room, and we were sitting on bridge chairs, I remember that, and uh, the show started, and down came this cascade of birds singing, let's all sing like the birds sing, and listen to this thing, and at the end when, when the rain stopped and everybody was happy again, we said, well, it's great, what is it? <laughs> and he looked right at us and said, you guys are going to write me a song that's going to explain all this. <laughs> and so uh, we said, uh, yeah, okay, well, well you have to believe, we're going to write lyrics, you have to believe. It's too bad you don't have a parrot. He thought for about a half a second, he said, we won't have one parrot, we'll have four parrots, we'll have a Dutch parrot, we'll have a German parrot, we'll <laughs> have a Spanish parrot. He was going through a whole conception. And he said, what a kind of a song you're gonna write. So we looked around and it was kind of a tropical room. He we said, well, uh, well, a tropical song of a uh, calypso. So he said, yes, calypso. And what's it gonna be called? Well, Enchanted TV Room was a bit of a, a nothing title. It's a great, good title for the place, but it's a song title, no. But tiki is a great word, and if you're a songwriter and you hear words like tiki, it's kind of good. And so I remember thinking, tiki, 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 that's a great sound, tiki, tiki, tiki. How uh, about we call it the tiki, tiki, tiki rule? he says, that's it, what am I going to have the song? And he, fact, we wrote the following song we've been playing now for 50 years. Oh, I mean, uh, they know this song. I'm sure they'll sing it <laughs>
0: As you can probably tell, various pieces of the Enchanted Tiki Room were coming to life all at once. It's how so many of the original attractions at Disney came into existence. Walt would have a vision for a ride or show, and he would task various people at his studio to work on different elements of the experience at once. Individual contributors would inspire each other, and the attraction would gradually piece itself together into one cohesive unit. While Harriet, Wally, Fulton, and the Sherman brothers were working on the interior components of the show, Imagineer Rolly Crump was working on the courtyard outside the attraction where guests would wait for the show. In particular, he was producing the show elements and tiki's for the pre-show. In my Imagineer podcast interview with Rolly Crump, which you can find in episode 90, I asked Rolly about his contribution to the Enchanted Tiki Room, which began when the idea for the show was still a restaurant. Here's what he had to say.
6: Well, again, you have to look back on all this. When Walter asked you to do something, although you've never done it before in your entire life, I was never scared. I just thought, whatever he asked me to do, I'll do. And I would just do whatever he asked. And so I think that was the exciting part because you never knew what he was going to ask you to do. And the taking room was the first one that he asked me to do. And it was just incredible. And everything fell in in the line. It fell into my world when when he asked me to do that, because my world was a world of imagination. So as soon as he asked me to do that, then I immediately plugged in a, a man, imagination and I went to work on it. And uh, it was really kind of neat because the thing that he asked me to do in, in uh, for the Tiki Room was he said, you know, people there's going to be a restaurant and people have to stand in line. So he says, you've got it do something that entertains the people when they're standing in line. So what we would be between he and I, what came up with was for me to design all the Tikis and then all the Tikis would talk and that would be the form of entertainment for the people waiting to go in there. See, it was going to be, it was designed to be a restaurant and uh, that's what you do. If people are standing in line to go in the restaurant. So I brought the Tikis to life. I knew, I, I got the, went and did the homework on it. First of all, John hand helped me. I said, John, what do I do? And he said, read up everything you possibly can on the tikis of, of, you know, South Armenian. And so I did, I read books on it and everything. So I was pretty well read on tikis. So I had the choices to to work with all of those. And I eventually sculpted uh, one of them or two of them, I guess it was, and so that was always fun. You know, well, that's the whole thing was that I was planning on just doing stuff, not just drawing, but actually physically doing it. So I sculpted about three or four of the tiki's myself to begin with. And I've never sculpted before, <laughs> which was fun.
0: The Courtyard pre-show that Rolly created is unique to Disneyland, and especially some of you Walt Disney World locals might not have experienced the pre-show before. As such, I wanted to play a brief clip at what this experience sounds like, making reference to some of the cultural elements Roley had to research for the attraction.
4: My name is Maui. Natives call me the Mighty One. I tamed the playful sun and gave my people time. Now they set their clocks by mine. For I am Tropic Standard Time.
0: Another part of the pre-show experience that once existed at Disneyland was the famous Barker Bird. Much like the Barker Bird at the entrance of Pirates of the Caribbean, or for a modern comparison, like the Mr. Potato Head animatronic outside Toy Story Mania at Disney California Adventure, the Tiki Room Barker Bird would explain to guests what the experience was like and encourage them to step inside, much like a traditional carnival barker would explain why visitors should see a particular show or experience. Here's a brief clip of what the Barker Bird once said
2: up here i am up here in this here teepee canoe i have a few thousand things in my feathered brain to tell you about walt disney's enchanted tiki room first of all right here below me like underneath wake up down there right here below me is the magic garden this is where you can sit down on your tail feathers and rest the rest of you and then you go inside see inside to Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. It is the most amazing show in Disneyland.
0: Unfortunately, the Barker Bird at the Enchanted Tiki Room didn't last long. In a way, it was like its own attraction, causing traffic jams at the entrance of the show. I asked Scott about the Barker Bird, and here's what he had to say.
1: Well, the Barker Bird was at the entrance. It was a full audio-animatronic figure, and it was at the entrance where people could see it as they're walking by before you actually enter the tiki garden. So as you're going through Adventureland, you'd see this bird. And it was a barker bird, like a circus barker. You know, the ones who would say, right this way, come and see it. The greatest show on earth, that kind of stuff. And So that's exactly what this bird did. It was also written by Wally, and it was voiced by Wally. And it was, come see the tiki room. And and it was just this funny stuff, and it had sound effects and all kinds of stuff and it was humorous so what happened was it was so well done that people were walking by and they would stop and it created this crowd and it was a very small space at the you know as you would enter adventureland it became so much uh, it, there was so much traffic that they ended up having to take away the barker bird for that reason but I'll tell you an interesting thing if you watch the 10th anniversary show it was an episode of the wonderful Walt Disney's wonderful world of color And they actually show footage of the Barker Bird. There's actually some great footage. You'll see Harriet Burns in there working on it. And you'll see the old, huge computer, you know, a wall full of computers, which were running the show. And it's very interesting. In fact, they narrate it, telling you what you're looking at. And it's narrated by Jose, the MC, which is the voice of Wally Bogue. Well, when you see the footage of the Barker Bird in the 10th anniversary show, they cut to a crowd, of people watching the Barker Bird. And right there in the front, uh, you'll see a man who's wearing some black glasses and that's Wally Bogue. So it's Wally watching himself. So kind of an interesting thing with that.
0: One final contributor worth mentioning was Orlando Ferrante, who was responsible for planning and coordinating shows at Disneyland. Scott had some great information to share about Orlando, and he had also included another never-before-heard interview with Orlando, both of which I'd love to play for you now.
1: Now, I brought one more gift for you, Matt, that I hope you like. Again, this is in the form of audio. And this one's really rare. It's another conversation I had with another Disney legend And it's rare because it's someone who you just don't hear about too often, Orlando Ferrante. And it's great because his name is spelled Orlando, like Orlando, Florida. And I always remember how to pronounce it because he told me he's Orlando, Orlando is in Florida. So, and he was in California. So it's Orlando Ferrante. And he was responsible for planning and coordinating of all the shows and everything. I think he was there over 40 years. And I talked to him a little bit about the Tiki Room. That was one of the first things that he worked on at Imagineering. So I am giving you this clip. And again, I've never played this for anybody. No one's ever heard it. And so this is the first time anybody is hearing any of this conversation that I had with Orlando Ferrante. And I hope that you like it.
7: I really got involved in the coordination and when I got called over at the studio and uh, Walt had, uh, he had the tiki room sitting on stage three, had been there for a couple of years. And uh, so he had, they had finally decided to put it into the park. It started off as a restaurant and then it got so good they made it into a regular show. Yeah. So that was the first job I ever really did and that was coordinating the move from the Disneyland or from uh, you know, Stage 3 down to Disneyland to get everything installed and, wow. and that's how I got to you know, get to know people and, and uh, it, uh, it was just a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that's a fascinating thing to think of ta- taking it from the studio and bringing it to the park. When it was at the studio on a soundstage, was it full-scale? I mean, oh, no, thinking, it was full-scale. So it's oh, like yeah. walking in
7: Oh, yeah, car. exactly. It all, it had Everything all set up. And well, you had done the
1: job as far as... Yeah, uh,
7: well, they were, you know, had to get the facility ready down there, and then they had to get all the... Uh, and then there was a big pre-show out in front of the garden area. That was all... They, they didn't have that at the studio, so all, that all had to be developed. But that was, that was my first real job really to, you know, to get involved with the, with all the talent here at uh, at, at that time. We Enterprises on the staff. Yeah.
0: In addition to Disneyland and Walt Disney World's versions, the Enchanted Tiki Room exists at Tokyo Disneyland. It opened with the park on April 15, 1983, and remained in its original form until 1999. The show's 1999 refurbishment turned it into the Enchanted Tiki Room, now playing Get the Fever. This version of the show only lasted until 2008, when it was replaced with another version, this time presented by Stitch. Just as it sounds, the show now features Stitch in animatronic form, and it's now the only version of the three to not include the famous Sherman Brothers song. I asked Scott about the Tokyo version of the attraction, as well as some of the other changes the show has seen around the world, and he offered some great insights and some hilarious stories about translating the show to Japanese. You
1: know, I love the Tiki Room, and one of the neat things that I've got to do is see every version of the Tiki Room. So there was the original version, and I loved it growing up. That was the one that was in Disneyland. It's shortened a little bit right now in Disneyland, not too much, but they did take out a classical music piece where there was no singing. They just kind of whistled and everything to the music, and then you would watch the Enchanted Fountain in the middle, which was very special and unique, you know, technologically back in the 60s and the 70s with the kind of glass coming up. So it looked like the fountain was kind of growing. You didn't realize that it was really just this glass coming up. Uh, but that number was taken out and shortened the show. Audiences change. And, you know, really these types of musical shows are just not as popular, I guess, as they would have been in the 60s. But uh, the and the next show was the, and that was in Walt Disney World as well. And then they had the Under New Management <clears throat> in Florida. Um, Not my favorite show. That was finally replaced with a newer version in Florida, which is really the original, but cut down quite a bit. I think it works really great in Florida now. It's just a little bit quicker for today's audiences, but it's still the original voices and all of that. The Under New Management show, if anyone doesn't know, it had a couple new audio animatronics, Zazu and Iago from Aladdin. Uh, Zazu... Um, was from The Lion King, Iago from Aladdin. And it, it just was kind of a different show. What was unique about it, or was what I liked, was they did bring back three of the voices, Wally, Fulton, and Thurl, reunited to do the under new management. And it was Corey Burton who replaced Ernie Newton, and because er- Ernie Newton had passed away by that point. And then there were a few other versions. Uh, there was the Tokyo Disneyland version, And I love that one. That was very much like the original Disneyland version, but it was in Japanese. A funny thing with that is when they translated it, they brought Wally back to help write for the Japanese version. And the way it worked, Exotensio also told me they did this with pirates, but what they would do is they would write the show, they would translate it, I should say, to Japanese. Then they would have it translated back to English and send it over. So now you want to make sure that the Japanese translation is correct. So by doing it that way, having it now translated back to English from the Japanese translation, it lets lets you hear if things are all said correctly. Exitensio had told me with Pirates of the Caribbean, it was supposed to be dead men tell no tales, and they were trying to translate it. And it came back, there's no mouth on a dead person. (laughs) So that's why, which didn't make any sense, and that's why they would have it translated back into English. And Wally remembers the translation, and they sent it back to him. And it said, uh, after it thundered, and and they say in the English version, the gods have been angered by all the celebrating. Uh, It was at that point that in this Japanese translation, it said, cover your belly button. And Wally had no idea. He thought it was a bad translation, but it actually turned out to be a Japanese superstition that when it thunders, they say, cover your belly button. You're supposed to cover your belly button. Uh, But I I enjoyed seeing that show. Uh, My own personal note uh, on that is that I, they have a part just like we have in California where they say, everybody sing along to let's all sing like the birdies sing. And they sing it in Japanese. So I actually learned that song in Japanese. So when I went to Japan the first time and I saw that show, I could actually sing along because I love sing-alongs. I think we all need more sing-alongs. Then the next time I saw the Tokyo version of the Tiki Room, it was much shorter. It was called Get the Fever. And it was the first time that one of the four MCs was now female. They redressed them and they gave them different names. One of them, I think, was Dano, which I believe was a character in Hawaii Five-0. And Lava was this female parrot, macaw, I guess. So I loved that. I love seeing that. If it was in Disneyland, I don't know that I would have loved it because I just am so partial to the original Tiki Room show. But it was really fun in Japan. It was cool, you know, seeing that. And then the last time I went, it was Stitch. And it's uh, a Tiki Room. I, I think it, it it's classy i don't think they're making fun of the tiki room or anything um it's kind of cool because what they do is they give you this device where uh, before you enter the show or if if you don't speak japanese they give you this device that hangs around your neck and it's all synchronized and you actually look down at the device and you read along and it's these the subtitles or closed captions or whatever you call it so you can know what's going on so stitch is there and he kind of takes over and wreaks havoc and uh It's really neat. They have a beautiful audio-animatronic of Stitch in the middle where the fountain is here in California's version. Uh, Stitch comes up, and I really like it because it looks really, really good. So that's the other Tiki Room. A few other uh, kind of thoughts about some of the other Tiki Room shows around the world.
0: Many of you on the East Coast might recall the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management version that Scott referred to in his last clip. This version of the attraction replaced the original Tropical Serenade at Walt Disney World opening in 1998. The new version was an attempt to increase the relevance of the show with young audiences, and the story called for Iago and Zazu, the famous characters from Aladdin and The Lion King, to take over the enchanted Tiki Room as the new owners. While Zazu attempts to take a somewhat sensible approach to his new responsibilities, Iago takes his stardom a bit too far, which angers the Tiki gods and helps Iago realize that perhaps he should pay a little more respect to the original owners. This version of the attraction was officially closed in early 2011 and reopened later that year as Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room, reinstating the original show in a slightly shorter form. While the Under New Management story wasn't the most beloved version of the attraction, one good piece did come out of it. If you've been to Trader Sam's Grog Grotto at Disney's Polynesian Resort and have ordered the Aoa, you might recall the mischievous Tiki God figure that takes part in the show when you receive your drink. The Tiki God figure in Trader Sam's is actually Aoa, the Tiki Goddess of Disaster, who was a lifelike animatronic that appeared in the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management and was voiced by Armelia McQueen. Here's a brief clip from the attraction when Aoa appears.
5: the Tiki God is a disaster. disaster. Who dares to the Tiki God? He did. Oh, thank you very much, I do. Be careful, my fine feather, little friend. When you mess with Polynesia, the Tiki God's will squeeze ya. You're messing with me, baby. Ain't the thing to do. You're stressing me, baby Should've listened to Tattoo Hey, look at the time, gotta fly You can't fly away, now you're stuck I have cursed you for pushing your luck Bye-bye It won't help to you
0: Again, this might not have been the most beloved version of the Enchanted Tiki Room, but the fact that we did get a Oa out of it and that we can now find this Tiki Goddess over at Trader Sam's at the Polynesian Resort is probably one of the best things that came out of this uh, now extinct attraction. Perhaps one final thing worth mentioning about the Enchanted Tiki Room is its magical, or perhaps I should say its tropical, partnership with Dole. Dole Whip seems like such an integral part of the Disney experience, but the sponsorship actually didn't come about until 1976, 13 years after the attraction opened at Disneyland. At Walt Disney World, there was a bit of a conflicting sponsorship, as Tropical Serenade was sponsored by Florida Citrus Growers, a sponsorship that lasted until 1986 and that brought us the citrus swirl and the beloved orange bird an adorable mascot that has recently resurfaced as a disney parks character Dole's sponsorship at walt disney world came about in 1982 when the brand decided to sponsor aloha isle the quick service location on the other side of adventureland where guests can purchase a Dole whip thus began the tale of two snacks at magic kingdom's adventureland Dole Whip and Citrus Swirl, two iconic snacks you can still enjoy today. Whichever you choose, Disney now allows you to bring your Dole Whip or Citrus Swirl into the Enchanted Room, which is one of my favorite hacks for cooling down on a hot day. It also keeps this classic attraction alive. My recommendation to everyone listening, the next time you purchase one of these refreshing snacks, don't en- don't just enjoy it on a random park bench. Instead, take your snack inside the Enchanted Tiki Room, as long as Disney continues to allow it. If not for this Walt Disney classic, Dull Whip and Citrus Swirl might never have become a part of the Disney experience. So to me, there's no better way to honor this legacy. With so much history and nostalgia, it's easy to see why the Enchanted Tiki Room remains one of the most iconic shows at the Disney parks. One of Walt's own ideas and the first attraction to bring us audio animatronics. While the show has seen some changes over the years and still stands the possibility of being updated or replaced someday, I'm so happy to see this classic attraction alive and well, in one version or another, at three locations around the world. It's one of those iconic shows that has been treasured for generations and one that I will continue to enjoy on just about every trip to the parks as long as it exists. At this point, I'd love to take you with me for a ride through Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room at the Magic Kingdom thanks to the magic of binaural 360-degree audio. Like with other binaural recordings, I encourage you to listen with headphones or earbuds to get the most realistic audio experience, which will transport you right back to Walt Disney World. If you have a dull whip or citrus swirl handy, uh, or at least a pineapple or orange refreshment of some kind, definitely get one in hand to amplify your senses and really take you back to the parks. In either case, I encourage you to sit back, relax, and enjoy Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room.
5: as you say
4: to put on the show oh pardon madame that reserve is for my good friend fritz Ach, to I almost fell out of my number perch glad to see you all aboard uh, sure or <laughs> wherever
5: you are my goodness you're all staring at us we better start the show rolling wait wait we forgot to wake up the glee club <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: see? no one lay a name but me. Um, and now ladies and gentlemen, we
5: have something really big for you. Yeah, the birds stand still
4: and oh, oh. the tiki room flies away. Mon ami, quit talking while I'm interrupting. Ladies and gentlemen, now we present event from the islands, and musical
0: And with that, we close out episode 111 of the Imagineer podcast. I hope you enjoyed this history, this historic take on the Enchanted Tiki Room, as well as the binaural audio, and especially the clips that were sent in by Pam Burns-Claire and by Scott Wolf, including some of those special, never before heard interviews that Scott shared with us. So Scott, thank you so much for allowing me to play that back here on Imagineer podcast. And, of course, thanks to our previous guests, Haley Clare and Rolly Crump, for their contributions to the show as well, as I, of course, inserted uh, some clips from those podcast episodes. If you're interested in hearing more, I, of course, encourage you to go back to the archives here at Imagineer Podcast and take a listen to those interviews, those full interview discussions with Rolly Crump and with Haley Clare about her grandmother, Harriet Burns. I of course want to turn this conversation over to you and hear what you love most about walt disney's enchanted tiki room it could be a particular song a particular animatronic perhaps a favorite memory from the attraction as i said in the beginning it was and still continues to be one of my favorite attractions at the park especially one of those historic attractions i like to experience as often as I can. You can send me your answers and feedback as always in so many different ways. And the easiest way is probably on social media. You can follow Imagineer Podcast and send me a direct message or tag me in a story or in a post on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast or on Twitter at Imagineer News. Plus, I encourage you to join our Facebook groups. So you can chat with both me and with other members of this listener community. Our Facebook group is called The Imagination, also called The Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community. And you can find all of those resources linked from our website, which is imagineerpodcast.com. You can also reach out to me directly by sending me an email at matt at imagineerpodcast.com. Of course, if you don't already subscribe to the show, I encourage you to hit that subscribe or follow button no matter what podcast app you're listening to the show on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Podbean, apple music spotify google podcasts or any other podcast app because that will let you know when new podcast episodes become available and help keep Imagineer podcast at the top of your podcast list and if you have a few seconds and even a minute or two to leave us a rating and a review in the apple podcast store that does a lot to help this podcast community out it improves improves our relevance in the apple podcast store and helps anyone searching for disney podcasts to find our show more often which is so incredibly useful and of course it lets those who discover the show uh let them know what to expect when they hit that subscribe button or when they listen to that first episode and thanks to the more than 500 of you who have left us a five star rating in the apple podcast store which of course is incredibly humbling and encourages me to continue to develop this show and improve it as much as i possibly can one of the best things you can do for the show is, of course, a very simple thing, and that's just to share it. Whether you literally hit the share button on this podcast episode as uh, for the podcast as a whole or any other podcast episode or post on social media, uh, that's one way that you can share the show or even just by talking about it with friends and family or perhaps even, I haven't really mentioned this a lot, you can go to our uh, merchandise store, which if you go to ImagineYourPodcast.com and click on the... Uh, support drop down. There should be a link somewhere up there, uh, depending on what the uh, the links say right now, but there should be a drop down for podcast merchandise. You could buy an Imagineer Podcast shirt and uh, wear it around the parks. So that's another great way to spread the word about Imagineer Podcast. Oh, and plus, I have a link to uh, that place, uh, to that store, in the description of this podcast episode as well. would like to take your love of Imagineer Podcast to the next level, perhaps one of the best things you could do for the show is to join our Patreon group, which is over at patreon.com slash Imagineer Podcast. This show is truly made possible by our Patreon members. I don't just say that. I truly mean it because everything that related with the show has an expense attached to it, whether it's uh, hosting the podcast, hosting our website, uh, purchasing podcast equipment. Um, there's a lot of expenses that are associated with the show, and it's all out of pocket for me. So Patreon is a great way to help to support the show financially and sort of keep the lights on for this community and help us to continue to, to develop with new opportunities for the show. It has really helped to accelerate the show in the last few years and i'm so incredibly gl- grateful to everyone out there listening who is a patreon member especially our newest patron who is benjamin harris who just joined at the sorcerer level thank you so much to benjamin and our other members especially the sorcerer and hero level but all levels of our patreon group Beyond just supporting the show, what's really great about it is no matter what level of membership you join, you get perks, rewards, and benefits. I infuse a ton of value into every level as much as I possibly can. These include perks like early access to every podcast episode, access to my podcast production notes, a private Facebook community just for members of our Patreon group. You can get access to my close friends list on Instagram where I'll post out bonus stories and polls and other fun content just for Patreon members bonus podcast episodes, monthly video calls. There's a ton that you can unlock and you can learn all about the current benefits, which are subject to change depending on when you're listening to the show by heading again to patreon.com slash Imagineer Podcast. I also have a link in the description of this podcast episode or, and also at imagineerpodcast.com. Again, thank you so much to our Patreon members. I cannot express enough how much your support really makes a difference in this community. I also would encourage you to check out our partners, of course, to take a look at The Kingdom Insider over at thekingdominsider.com and The Kingdom Insider on all social media channels. In case you're interested in the latest Disney news and uh, what's to come in the future, including how to bring the magic of Disney into your own home. I love that the style that The Kingdom Insider presents to the public and they do everything with such a great level of accuracy and they do their best not to just spread rumors about what's to come but really just talk more about what disney has announced which is something i truly appreciate um and if it is a rumor they're very clear about stating that it is a rumor and it's something that maybe was being discussed that they might have heard but they're always very clear about what's factual and what's not which i truly appreciate that level of commitment to their audience and is why i'm proud to partner with the kingdom insider And the next time you're ready to book a trip to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Aulani, Adventures by Disney, or any other Disney destination for that matter, definitely take a look at our travel partner, Mickey Vacations by Academy Travel. They are a diamond earmarked industry. That is literally the highest level of distinction that Disney awards travel agencies, which is a great level, a significant level of recognition from Disney themselves. Uh, Because Academy Travel does such a great job of providing an exceptional level of service to their customers and to uh, anyone who's looking to book a vacation to any of these destinations they can help to alleviate a lot of the stress uh, that comes with booking a disney vacation especially if it's been your first time back in a while or if it's your first time at all or if you're just looking for support might not have that much time on your hands they can work within your budget and can even make you aware of existing discounts that might apply to you so they can even help to save you money and the best thing about all of this is that it is literally no additional charge to you, which is such a great benefit of working with a travel agent, especially of working with our agency Uh, or a partner agency, I should say, Academy Travel. You can request a free quote from them by clicking on the travel links in the description of this podcast episode or heading to imagineyourpodcast.com. If you click on that travel drop down that appears at the top of the page, that will take you to a bunch of links. If you click on one of those destinations, Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, whatever destination applies, it'll take you right to the form to fill out. You just fill it out. It takes about a minute or two to input your information, what you're looking for on your next Disney vacation, and they will get back to you as soon as possible with a free quote for your next Disney vacation and some more details about how they can help to plan and again alleviate some of that stress of planning your next Disney vacation. Last but not least, I want to encourage you as always to go after your hopes, your dreams, your goals, whatever those might be, to do whatever possible to make your life as amazing and happy and accomplished as you can possibly make it. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer podcast.